everybody. Welcome to the Kind Cody podcast. Today I've got the pleasure of being joined by Sam Church, a really inspirational guy. How are you doing today, Sam? Yeah, really good, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Um, nice to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. It's, it's been something we've been planning for a few weeks, just trying, trying to be like nailed down the times and get a time when we're both available. So yeah, we've managed... it's always difficult um, yeah. nailing the exact slot. But yeah, I'm glad we glad we got here today, mate. Of course. Well, I'm, I'm glad you come, uh, you, you've come. you managed to come on. So for anyone that is uh, that aren't aware of you, Sam, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about your story and how things started in February 2019? Yeah, so February uh, 2019 uh, was a massive turning point in my life. Um, it was the end and the beginning um, of my sort of journey with mental health and recovery recovery specifically so leading up to 2019 um so i would have been about 33 at the time at that point i went around life and it was was chaotic um mood was really really low and i, I could never put a finger on what was wrong with me um you know right right back from the very beginning a perfectly normal childhood, you know, a brother, a family, not, not divorced background, you know, perfectly normal school was fine. I was socially accepted. Um, even though I was a bit of a chameleon thinking of back on it now, I could, I was that guy, Jamie, that could, if you was like the, the grungy group in the corner, I knew about grungy stuff and I could be there. If you <laughs> was the, the sporty guys, I knew about sport and I could be there. You know, I could switch it on and off to whoever I was talking to, but never really fitting in with any one specific group. I, I, I could be everything to anyone. And actually, that was a, a pattern that continued uh, throughout my life. You know, left school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, didn't bother with university, got a job and, and got into it. But the biggest turning point for me was when I was 18, and I found alcohol and the pub. And because it was up until that point, it was, never, like I said, never really fitting in. And then I, when I had that first drink, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. It was like, right, I finally found something that sorts me out. This, this takes me away from absolutely everything. I remember the night, and I've spoken about it before, in England were playing Germany and they won 5-1. Uh, everyone, <laughs> great game everyone remembers it for you know the Heskey dance and all the rest of it yeah. um it was a great you know, I was celebrating for a different reason because I got drunk you know and that's where it carried on it carried on every single day drinking every single day till the age of 34 at that point and I thought it was fantastic at that age um and it but really it, it started off low and just went lower for me at that point and just just carried on you know into my working career relationships and everything I'd done evolved around evolved around drinking getting out of myself at, at that point you know so I, I can carry on now and talk about yeah. the whole of my 20s and and sort of the, the journey up until well yeah that's that's what I'd, I'd like to know I think that's so that kind of describes how you how you found alcohol initially but I've seen you describe it as alcohol uh, it was almost seen as your medicine. You saw it as your medicine throughout yeah. for life. How did it get to a point where you found alcohol when you're watching an England game to it being an integral part of your lifestyle? Yeah. Um, 
really, really quickly. Uh, my drinking went from zero to 100 almost instantly. Um, I've heard stories where it gradually creeps up on you and it, it starts, well, I'll have a drink on a Thursday night at eight o'clock, then it becomes Wednesday, then a Tuesday. You know, the weekends get longer. But for me, but it was, where is it? I was consumed by the stuff um, right from the get-go. I was just obsessing over, right, I just planning my day. When, when can I get to, to have my, my next drink? So, I'm, and I don't know why. I don't know why me, why it happened, because it was, I thought about it. Has there been any traumas in my life growing up? Nothing big, nothing more than anyone else has in in their lives so I'm not special in, in in any way shape or form it just it just happened and you know and as I you know you you, you go into work and, and like I say get relationships and things life becomes a little bit more difficult because you have more responsibility I mm. guess and and with a job and pressures and I moved into a sales career um, it just went hand in hand with with my day-to-day -day life and it, it just lit me up and I think it worked. It was the medicine at first and it worked um, for a long, long time. If I felt bad, if I, I drank. If I was feeling great, I drank. So it was win, lose or draw. I, wow. I could celebrate with the stuff and it would take me away for that point in time, wake up, do it again. And I was on that circle then for you know, 16 years um i just over uh of just in insanity with the stuff and i tried everything jamie to to stop uh therapists uh acupuncture um you know open lake swimming like every sort of yoga retreats like i think i had five therapists and i, I just nothing worked for me uh, where, but now looking back on it i i wasn't interested in listening at that point you right. know and to top you know to to match it up with mental health and the way i was feeling i drank to solve the depressed depressed state that I was in right uh, i just thought i was having a bad day except every day was a bad day for example if you're listening to this like what what is depression what does it look like um not wanting to answer in the phone not wanting to get up in the morning not really bothering to open the curtains, lack of personal hygiene, lying, not really interested, um, being everything to everyone. And then when you did have to do something, you you could put this cape on of uh, a shield of I'm all right. Right, right. The outside, it was cushy. I had everything, a great job, uh, girlfriend, car, roof over my head, all, all of the material stuff but inside emotionally bankrupt. Mm. So, and I, I just come to terms. I thought, this is, this is just me. This is just my life. Um, that's the way I'm going to think of it. I accepted it and just carried on. And it just, like I said, it started off low and it just kept getting Does lower it? and lower and lower. Um, so once the first domino fell, it was like they started all going and it was just like a gradual process. And it almost got to a point where, alcohol became like a dependency for you so you know 
I imagine. So it sounded like you struggled um, throughout your life in terms of like being happy at times and stuff like that. So when you had the alcohol, it was almost like you were pressing the happy button and it would give you like yeah. hap instant ha happiness, instant gratification and would alleviate some of the problems that you had going around your life. So I'm not surprised that that became an integral part of your lifestyle if you did it for, for a 16 year period. And you've, you know, you've explained some of the low points that, um, you know, addiction um, gave you throughout that period. What was, what became the catalyst for change after 16 years? Yeah, so like 16 years of it, um, trying to think, getting married, having kids and trying to fill my life with everything I thought that would solve me and then realising it didn't work. And then it was <laughs> a quick drink on, on work after a Friday. That's what I was going to do. Just pop out. Um, fast forward 48 hours, Sunday night. And I remember it was snowing and I previously attempted suicide to that and, and it, it failed, obviously. Um, and I remember just lying there in the snow. I'd lost everything, usual phone, wallet, coat, all that, all that stuff after a heavy weekend. And just thought, if I lie here long enough, I'll just die. And that'll be it. And then all of this is going to go. And you know, I got lucky, really, really lucky that someone, a taxi driver was driving past at like five in the morning in a random place, I was nowhere near home, and asked me if I was okay. Um, I, like I said, I had nothing, and he took me home uh, fare free, um, and, I, and, and that was it. And I think within, within a day, I was in my GP, going to see them again for my usual prescription of antidepressants and, and all the rest of it that I never really took properly anyway. Um, and they didn't work because I was drinking so heavily, but it switched when the GP was a different GP. And she usually, I don't know if you've ever been to the doctor when you feel with your mood, they ask a set series of questions about how you're feeling and stuff. She never asked me anything. Uh, she just spoke about what I got up to and just went, you're an alcoholic. That's it. And wow. to be honest, I wasn't very happy with that because I knew I had a problem with drink, but I never wanted that label put on me because of the stigma that it brought. I associated that with homeless people, a park bench drinker with a dog. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not me. I've got a job, kids, housewife. How, how can I be? Uh, but that was the turning point. And then I, I started my journey of recovery and I found a group of people that were exactly like me. But the, the, the key point here is that they're exactly like me, but they were well and they were happy and they weren't obsessed over drinking uh, anymore. And I wanted to know how they were doing that. What, what did they have to do to get that happiness? And then I became addicted to that, I could say that I just sort of found inspiration and hope that I've gone from wanting to die and drinking every other minute of the day to, you know, I managed to get a, a week under my belt of not drinking and feeling all right. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And, and, and it just snowballed from there. And it's been two and a half years now since anything has gone in my body. Um, well, congratulations. Bro, yeah. Thank you. 
you know but it's you know i can't it's really hard to describe what what was that moment because you know the window of opportunity was so slight it was so small you know hadn't i been there hadn't that taxi driver come past hadn't i drank that weekend hadn't i put myself in that position none of this would have happened today so i'm blessed and really really lucky and grateful for that um that it happened um and like i said it's been a couple two and a half years now nothing i've not had a bad day in a long time a long long time um and it's absolutely amazing well it's it's really interesting because you know for from the outside like if, if anyone was viewing your life you'd think this person lives a normal life they've got a family around them you know they're living in a, an idyllic normal life that everything seems to be okay but it really outlines the the issue that you know addiction mental health problems can affect anyone and yeah, yeah c- congratulations on being two and a half years sober um i know what you mean it's it, whenever you have something that changed i mean for me relating it to myself um I lost weight years ago I lost like five six stone in my early 20s and there wasn't really one sole thing that changed overnight it was just more an accumulation of things that led to me going enough is enough I want to make a change in my life and I suppose it was for me almost like like you had the GP it was a tough love approach from a from a GP um that essentially put the label on you you know put it in your face, like made you accountable immediately for your actions. And that led you into wanting to change, I suppose. So I, I, yeah, that, that taxi driver and that GP have had like a, an incredible effect on your life, haven't they? Saved it. Saved my life because, you know, not only was my mind gone, insanity, you know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting something different to happen. So I, I had gone insane because I was doing the same thing every every day and nothing was changing and so that that had gone in my mind but my body was going at the age of 34 that much abuse uh so the two of them together you know my body wouldn't have lasted maybe another 10 years probably because I was a bit young but my mind not much longer not much longer um left in the tank to be honest so like I said that window of opportunity right place, right time. It's the path I'm on. It's, you know, she saved my life, you know, Mm. and and the rest was, I had to put the footwork into, to keep up, you know, and like you said, there's like those stacking positive blocks. It was bit by bit by bit. It just got better, a bit more weight, a bit more exercise, the right food. And yeah, you, you build that positive momentum and you want more of it. And it's fantastic when you can get into that. It's just that, one moment in time where enough's enough here we go we're, we're on an upward curve now um and it's an amazing journey to be on you know mm. absolutely fascinating I've, i still find it how am i doing this i yeah. can't believe it but it's great honestly hats off to you what so i know around the time when it was around a similar time when you stopped the drinking uh, that you had the arrival of your second child right is that right yeah 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 Yeah. my second born was about six months old so did uh, was that was that one of the positive blocks that you used to try and you know keep sober yeah 100 um to do it you know first and foremost for myself but but for my children no no one to dad like that and i wasn't a good dad up until that point i wasn't there i wasn't present and 
you know, go back to my my first born, I thought I have a ch- I have a child that will bring me happiness that will sort me out, and then I couldn't I couldn't pick her up for six months. I just don't know what it was. I couldn't connect on on any level. Didn't want anything to do with it. I was there um, trying, but I just couldn't emotionally engage. Um, and I didn't think postnatal depression was a thing for men as well, because we hear it a lot for, yeah. for, for women, but men get it too. Um, and it's not as widely spoken about. So I, I definitely suffered with that. But then when, when Ada come along, my second, yeah, a uh, little bundle of joy again, and, uh, you know, six months later, getting myself sorted out and it's, you know, it's fantastic now. Um, the relationship that I have, I can be there with them and just, you know, I was before you could be there. I don't know if you've got, you've got kids or anyone here yeah. listening's got kids and you, you're with them, but you're not with them at times. You could be distracted by your phone or what's going on a TV and all the other stuff. And now it's just, I could actually be there with yeah. them. And that's it. And that's, that's, you know, that's all I need. Well, that's present. all I need and just to remind myself of this is why I do all of this stuff every single day just to keep myself well and yeah it's fantastic well that's excellent it's such a it sounds like it's been such a transformative uh, process for you and being present in the room for your children must have been such a well one of the catalysts for change like we were talking about what are some of the other things that well some of the other strategies you've used to really you know keep your mind focused and stay on the yeah lane of sobriety i'd say yeah um it's it's first and foremost it's always good to remember how bad it was that may seem odd but i never will true i I can't let go of you know that alcoholism that addiction is there waiting for me it's not away i'm not cured there's no magic pill for this so I, i know it's still there so to start off knowing that automatically tells me, right, I need to do a f- certain few things every single day just to, to keep on top of that. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest things I do, and I do it every day, is, is acts of kindness right. and stuff for other people. And without wanting anything in return, like that taxi driver did for me, you know, if he if, if he knew what he'd done he'd probably feel great about it now because you know like, i don't know if you're like me if you give someone a present for their birthday you feel great about it probably more than what you they've they've received yeah 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 it's a nice feeling to do something for someone so if i can help someone that makes me feel good so it's quite selfish it really i'm gonna help you because it helps me more than it is helping you um yes, yeah. so I, I do that every single day um i read a lot uh specific types of books um you know not huge i don't know tony robbins type stuff all, yeah. all of that type of stuff but but stuff that has me is like a, a road less traveled it's a fantastic book and those types of journey a man's search for meaning that type of stuff actually educating myself now because for years I couldn't sit still for five minutes. I could never get past the first chapter. So yeah. I'm now doing something that I really, really enjoy. Um, yeah. So I'm taking some time for myself is what I'm getting to there. Even if it's just half an hour every single day, a bit of a reward for that. Um, so like I say, help, helping others. And then gratitude, 
I'm a huge fan of journaling and I write a gratitude list every single day. Wow. Um, don't have to be mega stuff. It roof over my head, food in the fridge, you know, and I've yeah. had a shower today because that was more than I used to do. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm winning in life because I, a couple of quid in the bank or whatever it may be, doesn't have to be big stuff, but there's someone out there that's worse off. So and I imagine, I imagine, in, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I imagine um, in well, you know, drawing back to what you were saying, where you remember the, the depths of, you know, or, or the lowlights, I should say, of, of your um, alcoholism. When you are going through those dark periods, you find out the most about yourself. So now that when you're experiencing the, the euphorias of sobriety and you have your gratitude list, I imagine it, it, it makes them much more sweeter. Is that right? Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more because, you know, I speak to people where maybe they've not been to hell and I'm, I'm happy for that. You know, they've not got to the point of suicide, but I count myself a little bit lucky that I have because I know how bad it was and I can put things into context really, really quickly. Whereas, right. you know, a bad thing may happen to to two to two people let's say two people had a cat one of them they both they both died two people could react in a completely different way yeah. one this is the end of the world it's a nightmare my poor cat blah, 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 and that's fine or you'll get do you know what i had 20 great years of that cat it was always there for me she was old and they've they've, they've viewed it in a completely different way resilience i guess yeah um, so i can contextualize things quite quickly by remembering that was what it's like this is nothing today Sam Sandra's stolen my punch, whole puncher at work big deal whatever I'll get, get over it pretty pretty quick it can send things out of control usually all those little things they're not they don't mean anything to me and I don't mean to be flippant about these situations um but really what's important uh we've got our health we you know we, we like say my gratitude list I've got think roof over my head I'm okay today and that's all right and that's all right and I'm in a position now where I could talk to guys like you and help other people give them a little bit of hope that I'm just a normal bloke lived living a normal life went to the point of suicide and now come out of it mm. and there are things you can do to simple things to change that you know which yeah which i find amazing i think i think it's a miracle you know well it seems uh, whatever you are doing sam i mean obviously you've detailed a lot of it there but it does seem to be working you seem to be in a completely different place to what i imagine you were a few years ago obviously i came across um you through linkedin and i've read your, your article on happy fool what are some of the things that you you do now um you know to to campaign uh, for for this sort of thing yeah so I do quite a lot of um, keynote talks for companies. Uh, I work heavily with the construction industry, right. um, male dominant environments um, where there's a lack of support for a lot of guys um, and girls on, on building sites. Um, you could probably go to one today and ask if they've ever had a, a mental health toolbox talk. They'll say, oh, what's that? You know, yeah. so, you know, my company, we, we do a lot of that, um, speaking to these guys. Um, I've teamed up with a mental health charity, Mates in Mind. They support our company. We support them. 
with lots of resources that we can do. Uh, mental health awareness month uh, starting week, starting next week. Sorry, um, I'm trying. I want. I'm trying to do five talks in five days. Wow. Um, for <laughs> companies, and I have got them booked. Um, where, and there's still time. I'll, I'll probably extend it out where I come and talk to, to a company just to get the conversation going. If I could tell my story, get people thinking, maybe that's me, maybe that's not me, or they know somebody that might be like me and they can see the patterns and, and, and start relating to it. Because hmm. when you do that, you could start making changes to your life. Um, all of the proceeds, if people want to donate, I give it 100% to charity as well. Right. So we work a lot with that. Um, I'm also my company, we deliver workshops on different topics and modules to the corporate sector. And again, construction industry, um, just from a normal guy like me, you know, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, but I have a lived experience and there is value in that. There's so much value in, in, in yeah. going through things and then being able to pass on that knowledge 100%. Yeah. And this is, like I said, I had therapists psychologists and all the rest of it and they are great i don't knock it they do a brilliant job but for me i couldn't i couldn't relate to 60 year old white sally from henley on thames with all of her degrees and her life was perfect to me that's how i viewed it you know right. and and there's nothing wrong with that i needed to speak to a guy that was exactly like me and he got well because I, I needed something tangible to see. Um, and that, that's only my experience. That's what worked for me. It's not, you know, yeah, yeah. working for everyone else. I know what you're saying. You needed to see um, someone that had been through the fire and was, on, was now on the other side, um, yeah. said, as it, opposed to someone who learnt it in a book. Uh, you, there is value in learning it a book, of course, but for, for, for some people, that, that there isn't that translatable you know application so i completely uh, know what you're talking about for- yeah i treat it like you look like a type of guy that goes to the gym jamie if you don't mind me saying and, every now and then yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you work out and and i treat my recovery like that i gotta get the reps in i gotta do it every day and you know i work i speak with other people they're, they're like my personal trainers yeah, you know, right. I wouldn't. If you wanted to get fit, you wouldn't get a personal trainer that was completely overweight and useless in the gym. You'd mm. want someone that looked the part, I guess. They're walking billboard yeah. for what they do, and it's no different mean. to what I'm chasing as well. Um, so that's just maybe that's just my simplistic view. No, I, I do, I do agree because uh, more to, coming from my background, I did, I'm a nutritionist, so um, the the I do agree with that. There isn't there is a in that kind of field, there's always an aspect of you are your own marketing. Yeah. So if you see a, a shiny young personal trainer who's in great, great shape, they're all, that's always going to be the best marketing for clients and people they want to attract because they look good. But the one thing I will say is that that there does uh, kind of deviate the, the, the older trainer who's got years and years of experience and may not look as good. That's the only thing I... Uh, there's a fine there's a fine balance with it because i suppose you know with social media and the perfect body pictures and all the rest of it they're unachievable they're too far away yeah Uh, with with people's goals is you know like you want to lose weight but 
you, you people lose weight for different reasons you know oh, yeah. like, some people want to lose weight just to get to the, the healthy point some people want to lose weight because they're bodybuilding two different extremes. everyone has a different why yeah everyone has a different why everyone yeah different so it's important to you know and i suppose this I suppose this is the message for it. if you're going to do anything in with mental health gym fitness what you eat and all that it's, it's that intrinsic value and doing mm-hmm. it for yourself because i also found that you know i'll go to pick your example of losing weight and, and feeling good the minute someone stopped saying to me you've lost a bit of weight you look good i wasn't happy anymore because i was doing it to show off so, right 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 you know i'll look at my, me with my six pack the minute people start going you look good i was like oh well that's not working so i stopped doing it you know <laughs> do you know what i mean and i never yeah. did anything for myself so doing this now for me to keep it right no one can take it away from me i don't Amazing. care whether someone says well done to me today it doesn't, right, right. It doesn't it don't matter it's nice to hear it but i don't care because it's for me and me only i know how good it makes me feel and the importance of that of course and yeah that uh, you summed it up uh, like brilliantly it's uh, the intrinsic value you get from it you see value in it and you're not you're not necessarily worried about people seeing the same value in it so you you do something you see the value and that helps you drive and keeps you you know motivated over longer periods of time so 100%. where can people find you like on, on online uh, talk about some of the websites that you're with and maybe some of your socials yeah sure so my company website is massconsults.com m-a-s-c-o-n-s-u-l-t-s.com I'll, I'll put it on the screen no worries and my linkedin is sam l church or sorry that's my instagram sam <laughs> church it's sam church or sam l church on all of my social with instagram linkedin and the company is is massconsults.com and you can find us pretty much everywhere amazing and if uh, you know if you're running a construction company and you feel like you need to get your employees talking more about these topics then definitely get sam involved he's been through the fire and he's now on the the other side and he he does this for a living you see how passionate he is and you see how inspiring this guy is so i really appreciate you coming on today sam no thank you jamie it's been great thank you very much no problem we'll catch you next time guys (music) 